Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to say, if my voice sounds a little bit shaky at the moment, it's because... Hi, James. Hello. It's because God has undone me this morning. Oh, my gosh. Let's put that there, out the way. Um, you know when you're like, Lord, you're going to have to put everything together? And I actually remember a few days ago I prayed... Be careful what you pray for. I prayed, Lord, would you tell me that I'm on the right path by making it clear throughout the whole service? Well, (laughs) um, you'll see when we get there. Today we are looking at Psalm 40. And the title that I was given for, for this was... Give yourself to God, the obedience of Christ. But just before I read it, I would like to just say, yeah, exactly, James, I would like to just pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your presence here. That through the good times and the bad, through the dark times and the times when we know we are in the light of your glory, you are with us. The testimonies of old, the testimonies of today, the prayers of our hearts and the testimonies of the future, you are with us. So I just invite you, I'm but a vessel, come and speak through me and speak to the heart of each and every one of the people here in this room, here on Zoom, here on YouTube, and those who are watching at a future date on the replay. Lord, just meet with them. Wrap your arms of love around them. Bring great revelation and knowledge of your heart, your spirit, and the fact that you make all things right. And as we come and we bow before you, and set our eyes upon you and choose to give you everything and follow you. We are forgiven as we seek that forgiveness. As we call, you answer. Oh Lord, you are great, you are mighty, and your plans are awesome, and you work them out for the good of all of those who love you. And I love how you're working this plan out even now. So let's step into it. Let's step into it in Jesus' name. Amen. Even when I was singing, um, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, it's all about you. My glasses steamed up for the first song. Every other song, they didn't steam up with my mask on singing, but for that song, they steamed up and I could not see a thing. Um, It's all about you. I cleaned my glasses and they re-steamed up. And I was like, okay. And I heard the Lord say to me, feel the weight of my presence in this place of worship. My glory is thick. You cannot see others because your eyes are on me. And it reminded me of the verse in Ezekiel. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. And even Numbers and Habakkuk 
Now, whether it's still on my Bible on my phone, yes, because it started playing a video before, and I was like, oh, why are you doing that? Um, so I apologize for the noise while you were <laughs> praying, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, Numbers 14, 21, and for all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2, 14. It was prophesied of old, and it's happening now. The glory of the Lord is filling the whole earth. So, Psalm 40, let's get to it. If you are in your Bibles, amazing. I'm currently reading it out of the English Standard Version, and then I will be moving to the NIV. So if the version's a bit different, that's cool. I've been going through the Hebrew, and there's such a platitude of different words for each of these. There's so much depth of meaning that maybe this will give you some of the extra depth. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is a Psalm of David. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O my Lord God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips As you know, O Lord, verse 10, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the congregation. As you, O Lord, will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. From the evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Please uh, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who put to shame be disappointed altogether, who seek to snatch away my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. There we go. Psalm 40 is a psalm of two halves and three sections. Because why keep things simple? Two halves. The first half 
proclaiming the work of the Lord, testifying to his greatness, talking of the things of old, declaring it and people knowing of his deeds. David is speaking of all the things that God has done. He is praising him. He is thankful. He is grateful. And then the second half, he moves on to talk of the troubles which surround him, the problems which he is facing in the now and the not yet. The fact that he is calling to God to once again pull him out and lift him up. We started with him lifting lifting David out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire and setting his feet on the rock. And then it finishes later with him crying out and asking him to be his deliverer and not to delay and to come and lift him out of his problems. He's done it before, he can do it again. And those first verses, verses 1 to 3, talk of God lifting him from the low place. When it talks specifically about the pit, he lifted me out of the slimy pit. It talks in the Hebrew of that being a roar of destruction, an uproar, a din, a crash, a noise that you can't escape. It speaks of a heart cry of a place of pain. And God lifted him up and he set his feet on a rock to make him stand, to make him arise, to place his feet on a firm place, a rock, a crag, a cliff, a mountain, from the low to the high place, from the problems and the pain to a place with the glory of the Lord, delivered and saved. And the result? David had a new song put in his mouth. A new song like we were singing earlier, to heal a praise, one of the seven types of praise. This isn't a repeated song. This isn't just singing the words that we know so well. To heal a praise is when something bubbles up from within you and it is the prayer of your heart. It is the words that come out of what God is doing for you and has done for you in the past. It is the very thankfulness that comes as we join with God and let him stir a passion in our hearts. Let it overflow like we sang. Do you remember I said God was speaking through the whole service? And then we sang the cross stands above it all shining bright and this world will finally see and David said many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him we sang Christ has overcome we are standing strong and he said he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand our songs weave so well with scripture because our songs are based on scripture the whole Bible weaves together and we'll see how this weaves into many stories in a minute, but also how it weaves into the New Testament, into the coming of Jesus and why it's about giving ourselves to God and the obedience of Christ. But we're not there yet. We've got a bit more to go. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. He lifted us from the low place to the high place. Sarah and Abraham in Genesis, do you remember their story? They went from a place of barren to bearing nations. 
promised in their old age that they would be the beginning of generations and no children. And their heart cried to God. Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed and said, I am so old. How on earth are you going to do this? If I'm barren at this age, I'm too old to bear children. And they looked and tried to make their own story and tried to sort it for themselves. The concubine, Haggai, and that caused a nation split and all sorts of different things we theologically won't go into now. But then Abraham did have a child by Sarah as promised. Sarai became Sarah. God renamed Abram to Abraham. We get a new name because of the promise God has for us and the place he wants us to walk as he takes us from the low place to the high place, from our pain into peace. Joseph went from the prison to the palace. And if he hadn't been thrown into the pit by his brothers, would he have made it to Egypt? Would he have made it to be the person second in command to Pharaoh to save not only Egypt, not only his family, but the whole of Israel from a famine that had been raging for years? God's plan and purpose went from the pit to the prison, well, the pit to Potiphar to the prison. So it went up a bit before going down to Pharaoh and to the palace to saving God is with us in the low places and the high places. Hannah, she was the second wife. Well, she was the first wife, but the second wife had children. And she also was barren. And her heart's cry was to have a son so that she could show her love and devotion to her husband. And he said, I love you no matter whether you bear me a child or not. It's more than that. But her heart cried to the Lord. In the temple, when they went for the annual sacrifice to make things right, so much so that the serving priest in the temple said to her, don't be drunk in the place of the Lord. But her soul was so overcome with the grief of the pain of the weight of hope deferred She wasn't drunk. She was just grieved. And the next year, she was able to give glory to God because she went from provoked by the other wife who used to laugh and poke fun at her. She went from that place of provocation to being pregnant. And she dedicated her son to the Lord. We read that in 1 Samuel. And she sang a song to the Lord. She let her heart overflow in that to heal a praise. 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 11 is Hannah's song. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord is my horn and is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. I delight in your deliverance. Do you remember that word about deliverance, calling to the Lord to deliver us? There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. The Lord sets our feet upon the rock. But that's not just talking about the mountains, the rocks, the crags, and the cliffs. He is the rock on which we stand. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock. There is no rock like our God. He is the firm place, the high place on which we can stand and live our lives. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. You'll see in a bit that it says in verse 4 of uh, Psalm 40, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, who does not turn aside to false gods, but looks to the Lord. 
So back to 1 Samuel 2, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. He is our strength. He, uh, skipping a few verses to verse 8, he raises the poor from the dust. He raises, there it is again, and he lifts the needy from the ash hit. The ash heap, the place where everything was cast outside the city, the unholy things, the dirty things, the things that were burnt and had to be removed from the camp. He lifts the needy. Doesn't David say at the end of the verse, aren't I poor and needy, but you are God? He lifts the needy from the ash heap and he seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. In Christ, we are seated on high in the heavenly places. Now do you see why I was lost in wonder at how the service came together? And it goes on. So we've looked and we've seen Sarah and Abraham from barren to bearers of nations. We've seen Joseph from the prison to the palace. We've seen Hannah from provoked to pregnant. But what of David, the one who wrote this psalm? He went from the cave to being king because after he fought Goliath, after that moment of glory where he stood up and said, no one's going to challenge my God, and he got his sling and he threw it, and everybody was there going, because they knew that if he lost this battle, then their whole nation went to subjugation. That was it. They were going to be taken into slavery, and they were trusting a small boy, a sheep herd, to be a mighty warrior. He couldn't even wear the armor. It was too big for him. He couldn't wield a sword. It was too heavy for him. But when He had knocked Goliath out with the stone the same way, practicing the same things from the places of darkness where he had fought the lion and the bear and walked in the authority of knowing that his God had called him for such a time as this. Goliath was taken down and the roar went up, the cheer went up, and he actually grabbed Goliath's sword, which is quite a mighty feat for a young boy when Goliath was said to be one of these seven-foot-something people. So his sword was, like, bigger than David, and yet he managed to grab it, and he dragged it across his neck, and he chopped his head off. Job done. We're no longer going to be um, caught by the Philistines. They all run away. Whee! Solomon goes, great, David, now you get to marry my daughter. You get to inherit a place in the palace. You are now given much riches and all of the things, and you can be master of the armies, and it looked amazing. And then he got jealous, and Jonathan sent a signal shooting an arrow, and David had to run away, and he went into hiding, and his band of many men gradually joined him. People came out and found him in the desert, but for how many years... Was he hiding and running away and fearing for his life? But yet he did become king. The promise, the hope deferred, it came about. He waited patiently for the Lord, he said. He turned to me and heard my cry. How much more does that mean when you remember that he'd gone from no one to glory to being chased and an exile to being the king again? He had to wait patiently for the Lord's plan to come into place. He had to be obedient and give himself to God. And David has a song too. In fact, many of them do. I love some of these songs. This one's in 2 Samuel this time instead of 1 Samuel. And instead of chapter 2, it's verse 22. Lots of twos. 2 Samuel 22. And guess what verse 2 says? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. 
My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, in whom I take shelter, my shield, my horn of my salvation. We are not our own salvation. We don't make it come to pass. The Lord is the one who makes it come to pass. He is our salvation, which is why he's living in the now and the not yet, because Jesus hasn't yet come yet. He prophesies about him later. As I said, we're going to come to how it links to Jesus. In my distress, I called to the Lord, verse 7 of 2 Samuel 22, I called out to my God, and from his temple, he heard my voice, my cry came to his ears. And don't we see in verse 6 of Psalm 40, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. So many verses talk about how People are ever, um, you know, they're seeing but they don't see and how they're hearing but they don't hear. There's so many verses about closed ears, but here it's saying ears are opened. God's ear is opened, but also this is talking of our ears being opened to hear the voice of the Lord, to hear his call and walk into the obedience of what he calls us to. And it's also talking about God's ears being opened to us in our sin and the sacrifice is not working. It has so many meanings, it's thick. You look at commentaries and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. I'll leave that one for you to study in your own time. We're never going to get there if I don't keep going. We're only halfway through. So, um, I just want to note on David's song, 2 Samuel 22, he reached down from on high and he took hold of me and he drew me out of deep waters. One of the things that is so interesting in the psalm that I haven't really grasped in some of the English versions until I went back and looked was that in verse... It's a problem with having several bits of different paper. Doo, doo, doo. The, the deliverance of verse 10. I speak of your faithfulness and of your saving help, your deliverance. It's a lifting up and out. It's a pulling out of. It's literally lifting out of the place. In fact, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me, the Hebrew natta, to bend down, to stretch out, to incline, to lean to, to lengthen. He heard David's cry for help as he hears ours and he leans down towards us. He comes to he stretches out, he bends down, he inclines. We talk of inclining your ear to hear. How amazing, how amazing is our God that with all the many voices he must hear, the world is now bigger and fuller than it has ever been. The population is bigger, that is. The world is probably no bigger, geographically speaking, but the population is bigger than it has ever been. When this was written, the world wasn't even the size in population of London now. <laughs> London contains millions of people, and yet 
God still hears every one of our cries the same as he heard David's cry. Because God is all-knowing, all-hearing, all-powerful. And the final bit, I want to jump in to Samuel 22, David's song, verse 28. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You are a lamp. You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Didn't Mark come and bring to us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. God is our light. Verse 32, for who is God besides our Lord and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights, on the rock, on the mountain. He is the one who places our feet to stand strong, to stand firm. From the pit to the high place. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. And I know all about ankles giving way. For many years, I had ankles that spent more time giving way than they did walking. So when I was walking along, it was more like walk, walk, uh, walk, walk, uh, and they would go. And it is not pleasant, and it does hurt, and it does pull muscles, and sometimes you end up on your bum, and you look a little bit silly. And you have to strengthen them. You have to exercise the muscles. My balance got a lot better when I started doing kettlebells at the gym, including suitcase lifts, where you have to take a weight and put your leg out and do this. And guess what? My ankle stopped giving way because I was doing lots of standing on one leg with weights. He provides a broad path for our feet so that our ankles do not give way. It's not just about the path being flat and life being easy. It's about being strengthened for the journey. Sometimes we have to lift weight to get the healing, to get the recovery, and to get the strength we need for the next challenge. From the pit to the palace, Joseph was strengthened because he had been in a place of favor with his father, and then he fell and was sent away because his brothers got jealous, and then he was in a place of favor with Potiphar, but Potiphar's wife decided she quite liked him, so he had to run away, and he got thrown into the prison, and everything went wrong again, but in that place, he stayed faithful to God, and he rose among the ranks and became one of the chief people within the prison, and he even was reading into dreams, and because of his faithfulness in the place of pain, he was elevated to the palace because he was strengthened through the hard times. We never said that a life with the Lord was going to be easy. We never said that a life with God was going to take the pain away. But what is promised is that he will never, ever leave nor forsake you. He takes us from the pit, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't let us go to the pit first. He takes us to the high place, but that doesn't mean that the journey doesn't have highs and lows. But the final place that we end up is with the glory of the Lord in heaven. When we are obedient to Christ, are you ready to walk the path with him? Are you ready to journey and to go along and go the distance through the low places to the high places and everything in between? knowing that he has you, no matter how hard it seems at the time.
Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was humiliated in that she was in a place where she was pregnant before she was married, and this was a no-no. You do not get pregnant out of wedlock in that time. Hence why Joseph had it in mind to quietly divorce her. But God had other plans. He had Jesus. He had the saviour of the world planned. So he sent angels, one to Mary, one to Joseph, and the rest is history. She's now seen as a heroine in much of the church. We see her as that because she was obedient to the will of God. So she went from that place of humiliation to being the mother of the Lord and to being humble and to being, you know, just there throughout his journey. And while there was times where she asked questions and she was like, Jesus, come here, your, brother, you know, your mother and your brothers are asking for you. She was by him at the cross on that final day. Hence why Jesus was able to look to, to his disciple and say, Mary is now your mother and you are now her son. Take care of her in my absence. And Jesus was rejected and beaten and betrayed. We even heard about that just before. Again, the service, it all came together. Somebody else came and led the way and was talking about um, everything that Jesus went through and his pain and his problems. And I do apologize because I cannot remember who it was who spoke because there were so many things and I think I was crying on the floor at this point. Um, but I definitely heard it said, and Jesus was rejected and beaten and betrayed, but he rose, he is risen indeed, he is the conquering king. He went from the high place seated in the heavens to the earth, born a baby. He rose in his ministry and people respected him and honored him. And then he was rejected and cast down and he was beaten and betrayed. Betrayed by the ones he loved. Betrayed by his closest friends, the disciples, who let him down. Even in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying and saying, Lord, take, if it be your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. And he sweated drops of blood. And he went back to his disciples who he'd said, pray with me during this hour. And they'd fallen asleep. And he woke them up again and he went back and prayed. And yet again they were weak and they let him down. But he is now the risen conquering king. And he does not hold it against them. And he does not hold it against us when we are humble ourselves and take our sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. He is faithful to forgive he takes us from the low place to the high place with him seated in a place of glory when we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek him with all our hearts. So, Psalm 40. Let's get to the bit about Jesus. Well, it all is, but there we go. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud or turn aside to false gods. May the Lord my God Many are, rewind, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. Now, this is a really interesting bit. He says that the things that God has done is too numerous. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare, to recount, to relate, to count, 
to tell the stories of, yet he tries. He doesn't say, oh, there's far too many, I'm not going to bother. No, he says that many, Lord, are the wonders you've done, the things you've planned for us. Blessed is the one who places his trust, his confidence, who turns to the Lord rather than turns to the false deceptive things that fall away. We have to turn to God and his goodness. Now, have you ever found that there are so many testimonies in your past of all the good things God has done, yet when you're stood in the face of pain and all you see in front of your face filling your entire vision, the lens with which you look through, the glasses, so to speak, which are placed on your face. If you have pink lenses on, you see everything through pink. If you have blue lenses on, you see everything through blue. Are we going to look through the pink-tinted, God-tinted, the blood of Jesus lenses that speak of all his testimonies? Or have we switched to the blue and depressed and the scared lenses that go, yes, but my enemies are surrounding me. Yes, but there's bills to pay and I can't work out how to do it. Yes, but this person at work absolutely wants my blood and they will do anything they can to make my life hell and speak against me and gossip and undermine the work I'm doing. Are we looking through the lenses that say the problem is bigger than the solution? Are we looking through the lenses which forget the former things that have taken place and are looking and struggling with the problems that we have today? <laughs> Biblically speaking, there's so many. He parted the Red Sea. He stopped time as the, uh, over the battle. Literally, the sun and the moon stopped as the, as the staff was held up. Armies were made to be blind so they walked around whole cities the rain stopped the cloud stopped and then they restarted there was fire from heaven which burned sacrifices the dead were raised the demons were cast out the lame were made to walk the blind were made to see but are these enough or do you need to look to the miracles and the answered prayers of when you prayed for your own mother's salvation for many years and waited patiently on God and then saw it happen when you sought the Lord because you were struggling at work and he provided a new job, when the bills weren't paid and a check came in the post or somebody gave you some extra work and said, I'm really looking for somebody to give me a hand and help me paint. Do you want to do it? I'll give you a hundred pounds. And that paid the bill and met the need that you had. And then you're like, great, and you move on and you're focused on the next problem and you don't see that perhaps maybe that was the answer to your prayer and you need to declare those things so that others may see the glory of the Lord and testify and be brought and given confidence and strength for we overcome not just with the blood of the lamb but also with the word of our testimony. After the blood of the lamb has done its work, our testimony keeps bringing us back to the place where we honour, respect and love the Lord. What has he done in your life? What miracles has he worked for you? What answers, what quiet words. I loved, I loved, I loved that story of your prayer walk with the Lord. That's the voice of God. The voice of God that says, yes, son. Yes, daughter. The gentle love. Not criticizing, not saying must try harder. Not saying, you failed. What do you think you were doing? Go and get a grade A. Go back, try again. Return once it's done. Tick the boxes. That's the sacrificial system. Sacrifice and offerings you did not actually desire. 
burnt offerings and sin offerings were not what you required. You have said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. It's relationship. It is all about our walk in relationship. I'm almost there. We're just going to jump to Hebrews 10. And then I'm going to wake you all back up because we're going to have something for you to do. It's not just about me speaking. This is about your relationship with God. So keep thinking on the goodness of God and the promises he's made you, the hope deferred, but then also the praise that you have for all of the answered prayers. Hebrews 10 makes mention of these verses. Christ's sacrifice once and for all. Verse 5, Hebrews 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. You were not pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first, the first way, the law, the letter of the law that demanded sacrifice, annual sacrifice, blood sacrifice to clean and cleanse and atone for sin. He sets aside the first to establish the second, the way that he always wanted. The whole point of the sacrificial system was to see that we cannot do it alone. And Jesus came to set us back into relationship where the first Adam failed, the second Adam made a way that we would enter back into the presence of God, that we would be invited back into the relationship which was God's heart desire for his people. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once. So if you turn around and you say, oh, but I'm not good enough, does that account for what Jesus did for you? Or are you holding yourself in a place that is different to the place he now sees you? Once you have turned round and you have acknowledged your sin and you have turned to the Lord, to keep thinking of yourself as, woe is me, I am a sinner, I am a failure, I cannot do anything. Oh, it's such a hard life. I'm exaggerating to make the point. Is not to see yourself through the lens with which Jesus sees you because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus within you. When we stand judgment at the throne, he sees the sacrifice once and for all of Jesus Christ. Now we have to stay obedient within that. That's not an excuse. It's not a freedom ticket to go and say, I'm going to go and murder this person and shout at this person and steal from this person and I'm going to do whatever I want and actually I'm going to be full of pride and it's all about me and my money and do you know what? Squash you. I'm on the way up. You must go down. No, it's God who takes us from the pit to the high place. It's not our work. We stay humble so that God can exalt us. And then he sees Jesus in us, in our humility and in our obedience. So don't do him a dishonor. Don't say your sacrifice was not enough for me. It was enough for everybody else in the world, but it wasn't enough for me. 
Don't dishonour God and say, Jesus, you were enough for even that murderer on the cross at Calvary. But do you know what? That lie I told yesterday, I just can't forgive myself over it. If he forgives you, we must forgive ourselves too and see ourselves as he sees us so that we may honour and serve the Lord. So to wrap up, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. It's a challenge to be obedient. That proclaim your saving acts, that word is to preach. You might not think of yourself as a preacher, yet as you testify of the goodness of God, of those deeds that he has done in your life, of those places he's taken you from the pit to the high place and set your feet upon the rock, that is preaching the word of the Lord, that is sharing his goodness and that his grace is sufficient for you. And if he's done it before, he can do it again and our hope rises and together we are lifted higher and we worship him more and our hearts are lifted Each of those testimonies this morning lifted my heart to worship God more and go, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. So we love it when you testify each week. We love these things that you share because they help us. They help us see that when we are struggling and when life is painful, there is hope, there is a future, there is a promise, there is salvation. It's time to suit up, to boot up, to show up and to speak up. Are we putting on our armour? Are we declaring the word of the God? And are we walking and standing in the shoes that he has given us of the readiness of the gospel of peace? It doesn't mean that everything was rosy for David. Those last seven or eight verses, verse 11 to 17, after acknowledging everything that God had done for him and his people in the past, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. Will you let the Lord lift your lenses and take the blue glasses off of pain and despair or the black glasses and put on the red lenses that see through his sacrifice and his love and his blood things as they really are? Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. Help me. Which talks of that reaching down, that inclining, that stretching out, that lifting from the place of the pit again. May all who, take, who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back to disgrace. And may those who say, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. It's not our job to shame other people and to show them that they are wrong and to push, rub it into their faces, to go up to them and say, you're evil, you're wrong, you're a liar, you're a... No. God brings justice. We are just asked to love, to humble ourselves and to serve the Lord and let him bring the justice about. Isn't there a verse that says that it's like burning coals that we're pouring on somebody else's head when we love them, when they're being nasty to us. As we testify of the goodness of God and we say, okay, I may be poor and needy. I always struggled with those words, poor and needy. 
they also mean that I am in want, I'm afflicted with, with life and that I need to be humble. I'm in a place of humility and that I don't have everything I need. May the Lord think of me. May the Lord hear me. Be mindful of me. And that came up in Hannah's prayer and it came up again in David's prayer that he has heard that he is mindful of me. I don't think I even read the final prayer, which was that of Mary's song. And she says in Luke 1, 46 to 55, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. So it's not to say that we shouldn't express our pain and our problems and the place that we are in, the emotion of pain. But did you know pain is an emotion that we all feel and we feel it differently and that is to be acknowledged. But despair is a mindset that doesn't see the help that is coming, the hope which is at hand, the glory of Christ and the fact that he's done it again so before, so he will do it again. We can choose in our pain to have hope. We don't have to choose in our pain to have despair. Lift your eyes up to the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the hills, the Lord of heaven and earth. His glory is displayed in all the earth. His goodness so the way that we can reframe our pain is to start by honoring, worshipping, thanking and praising the Lord for all he's done before and say, okay, I can see the pain now. And maybe I can't see what you are going to do in this, but there seems to be no way. But where there seems to be no way, God makes a way. So how do you deal with the fact that you can't see the way forward? Well, look to the things of the past and where he has held you tight. Look to those things. So this is your bit. This is where I need you to do some work. Have you taken time recently to build your own altars of praise? To build the cairns the Israelites were asked to put rocks in remembrance? To make places that were visual reminders of the work that God had done? The wondrous things, the numerous things, too many to count. They might be too many to count, but we can at least start to try, because he didn't say to Israel, I've done so many things that just give up and don't bother remembering. No, he said, pick some of them that are key to you and let's mark them and let's put them in a place so that when you're in the place of pain, when you're in the pit, when you're struggling, you remember the last time that I lifted you out of it. Obedience to God is easier if you think of him as mighty to save, the one guarding you and watching out for you working all things to the plan of the good that he has for those who love him. For you, Claire, for you, Mark, for you, Keith, for you, Sharon, for each one of you who loves the Lord. It is biblical to remember what the Lord has done. It is biblical to exalt him and praise him for every good gift which comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shift or no shadow. He is the light of the world. So we sing a new song to the Lord. And I would like to ask Dave to come back up and just... Um, we're going to get musical. We're going to get musical. And I apologise for the fact that my voice is a little bit scratchy at the moment. But it's not about my voice, and I'm going to sing out 
even on the mic, even though my voice isn't sounding great at the moment, because I need you to know that God doesn't want to know that you are in tune. God wants to know that your heart is overflowing with praise and gratitude. We'll pray after we've sang, definitely, James. We'll always come back to God, but we're going we're gonna to sing to the Lord before we pray to the Lord. So, I want you to take a moment... I want you to take a moment to think of all of the things that the Lord has done for you personally. So I could say, I praise you, my God, who healed my allergies, so now I can eat cheese. My heart overflows at being able to eat the good things God provided. He showed me rainbows every day after the place of my attack. That was a past thing that I remember, so whenever I see a rainbow, to me, that's a personal place that brings me to worship what has he shown you what has he reached down and said to you or shown you in your place of need that you can hold on to now in a place of pain when I was struggling for money throughout COVID when most of my income was decimated somehow every month money came in for me Sometimes it was gifts and sometimes it was in the form of work and sometimes it was just God saying, go do this and then somebody blessed me afterwards. But he met me in my place of need and provided. How has the Lord provided for you and answered your prayers? Who has he sent your way? What answers has he given you in your heartache? When he asked me to do something because I was walking the wrong way and I had to let go and I had to turn my back on it, I was heartbroken. But he met me in my place of pain and he gave me the gift of tongues so that I could express my heartache to him and pray when I had no words. What's he done for you? He's brought me some beautiful friends when I was praying for some people who also understood the place I was in. And it was amazing. It was clearly an answer from God. What prayers has he answered for you? So now as we look to him with our pain or problem, it isn't through a lens of hopelessness and overwhelm or a lie which says, you can pray but nothing will ever change. Instead, it's through the lens of the cross, the lens of the salvation that we have, the hope that we have. It might be hard and there may seem to be no way, but my God is mighty to save. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's done it before, so he will do it again. He takes us from the pit to the high place and he sets our feet upon a rock, on the mountain, upon him. So now I want you to begin to lift your voice in praise. Speak these things out to him. Share your heart. Stand up and sing it out.